everything and all of this is all completely trashed. I don't know what the fuck has happened today. Holy crap. The video looked like shit. It started late. The audio was all messed up. You know, that's just kind of, that's, that's the theme of the day for me today. I mean, everything's all foobar and, you know, none of it works. But, hey, you know what? As any good man should do, he should bullshit his way through life. We were just talking about that like literally 30 seconds ago. So, you know what? The hell with it. So, we're just going to keep on like nothing happened. This is not the mistake you're looking for. Anyways, um, you can find us on all these platforms, right, y'all? Whatever. Uh, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Twitter, Anchor, and Spotify. Go check out the uh, Libertarian Party Veterans Caucus, Leading Libertarians, Veteran Issues, Leading Veterans to Libertarian Solutions. Um, like a free market crayon eating contest for Marines. If you, are, if you or a Marine that you know is struggling to get a healthy dose of crayons in their life, go check out the Healthy Veteran Caucus. <laughs> Uh, ban exorcism, life begins in possession, all the merch, all of it. I get tired of just going through it all. Um, but those are there. Those are the things. Go to the website, notarealpodcast.com. Go to redemptiontactical.com. Use that link right there. This one, right sure. I'm sure someone will put it in the comments. They've actually got some super cool uh, stuff on their website if you've never checked it out. I know I talk about it a lot. They've got ballistic face masks, riot shields, plate carriers, plates. Uh, I think they have, like, ballistic knee pads now. Like, no shit. Like, they're like, hey, it's something you can strap to yourself. We're going to make it uh, somewhat bulletproof. Like, we'll, we'll give it, like, a level three rating and just call it a day. So, you know what? Go check them out. They actually make it here in the U.S. It's family-owned and operated. Pretty cool. We use Pride Libertarian for all of our merch. And also, our newest sponsor, that's not a real company, that I, as far as I know, ghoststoves.com. Uh, for all of your uh, ghost stoves needs, uh, 3D printed, 3D printed ghost stoves, uh, <laughs> because when the government bans uh, you know, gas stoves, you'll need somewhere to get your good old-fashioned propane-based stove. And if you watch USA, or if you read USA Today, I guess it's a magazine, so, or not newspaper, it's not a show. But if you read USA Today, and they're bullshit, um, is totally a an acceptable AR-15 attachment. So uh, if you have a propane stove, just attach it to the bottom of that thing, and you can be done with it. Um, that's that's exactly how that works. That's, uh, that's factual information. Um, that's not a lot. Yeah, Adam. Adam says, "Dude, Iraq veteran eight 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 is awesome. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna be a great team up. He'll be awesome. I don't. I can't promise me. Uh, I don't promise anything myself. But you know, he'll be awesome. See, what's really cool about uh, uh, Eric is that I've actually watched some of his YouTube stuff before. I've had him on the show. Um, there were plenty of late nights where I was up late." Um, pondering the demise of the ATF, and I would just flip through YouTube through all the, you know, the um, the AK guy stuff, or uh, the guy down in Texas, uh, Demolition Ranch, or uh, Eric, Eric from uh, IV eight 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 eight. All fantastic stuff. So if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Um, so you know, it's 
Super awesome. Oh, Mike Staticky? A little bit. A little bit. I'm on mute, so it's not. But, you know, whatever. So, anyways, without further ado, I'm going to invite the man himself up. The man, the myth, the legend, Eric, also known as Iraq Veteran, 8888. What up, my man? What up? <laughs> well, I could think of maybe some members of Congress could use some of those ballistic knee pads at some point, you know, for all the ass kissing that they're always doing. So, you know, for the, the, the hard impact, for what it's worth. Think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of when you said that, you know, I, for our meltdown videos, I always, I use this uh, level three, a like ballistic riot mask and people think, Oh, you're just trying to look all hard, but, but it actually does stop bullets or at least shrapnel if, if a gun came apart or something. So, I have to look into that. And uh, a lot of people don't know when I'm doing those meltdown videos that I'm, I'm also wearing this big old soft armor cross protector too, you know. Well, you, you kind of have to. I mean, you're doing when you're pushing a firearm to the, the, the limits and then some. Um, I mean, it's super dangerous. I mean, people don't think about that. Like, they're like, oh, well, the, the round's going that way. But what about all the other stuff that the round is pushing back this way? And uh, yeah, I can see that totally being a fucking issue. So we, we've we've had some we've had some sketchy sketchy moments, but you know, all in a good day's work, I suppose. <laughs> well, like they say, always be safe, but just remember, God hates a fucking coward. So you know, push it to the limits, but make sure you're still safe enough to where it doesn't kill you right off the bat. Or if 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 you do. Uh, you know, get hurt. Just make sure that it, it, it just does you right on in, you know, real quick. And and then you don't have to worry about it. As a content creator, I can also say, always make sure you get it on film too. I could talk about <laughs> one really interesting FPS Russia shoot that I was on, but we won't go there. Uh, I can't really talk about it. I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but <laughs> it, you know, we, we produced uh, FPS Russia for, the last couple of years that he was active on YouTube, you know, so a lot of those later videos are ones that we produced. And that was a, a, a pretty interesting, interesting experience for sure. <laughs> but I digress. I miss FPS Russia. He, he had some of the most amazing content back in the day. And this is back way before YouTube's insane guidelines that they have now. Yeah, um, he's a good dude. That's what we should get on to. That'd be a fucking amazing show. But F, the guy that does FPS Russia. Okay. Way back in the day. But yeah. So, uh, Eric, you've got a lot of great content. Uh, you, I follow you on Twitter. Um, obviously, uh, I've been watching a lot of what you've got going on. So you recently officially made it social media official and joined the uh, the LP National. Mm-hmm. What kind of pushed you into it? Like, what what made you say, you know what? This group of idiots online really resonate with me. I want to go give them money. Well, I think that I've always been, you know, very much of a libertarian mindset. And, you know, even a lot of my own viewers have sort of said, Eric, you, you really talk more like a, a libertarian than you than you do, you know, Republican or any, any other type of political party. But I've always thought that maybe there was a little bit of a danger 
if you will, in choosing a side and, and, and huddling under a banner and saying, well, whatever these people say, I'm, I'm on board. This is, you know, my people or whatever. And uh, there, 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 there's something that's sort of final about it. I don't like the finality of it. I don't like the fact that it's like, all right, well, here we are and we've come to this conclusion. So I've always been hesitant to officially come out and support any one political party because people are fallible, you know, there's always going to be some difference of opinion and things like that. And I know that libertarians generally can be known for being a little bit quarrelsome, uh, even amongst their own ranks, uh, almost to a fault. But the majority of libertarians that I've met over, you know, the last couple of years that I've been very active on Twitter have really changed my mind on the whole concept. And uh, many of them are very logical and very intelligent and very capable of approaching every situation with nuance even when that nuance may not be exactly something we all see eye to eye on, we still agree with the formula. We agree with the basic concepts of individual freedom, personal responsibility, you know, what our roles are in society, um, what society's roles are to us, like what we expect out of each other. You know, it, it's one of those things where for me, I've, I've always felt like a libertarian at heart and most of my views, you know, align with the libertarians. So the amount of support that I've gotten and the amount of people that have reached out to me to support me directly from the Libertarian Party and folks that are close to the party and also the Mises Caucus have been very, very awesome people, very intelligent and uh, very willing to do anything they can to assist me in my journey and give me materials, things to learn and, and you know, just to extend a hand and, 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 and let you know, me know that, hey, we're, we're the kind of people that circle our wagons and we uh, we take on any threat that comes our way or, or, or you know, openly uh, discuss or, or debate anyone who might have an opinion on, on a certain subject or whatever and, and might want to engage in some meaningful debate that comes from a real place of actually wanting to get to the bottom of what the other side is really worrying about, whereby... The Republicans and the, and the Democrats seem to be so far into their camps that, you know, it's a giant echo chamber within their own very, you know, constituents, where it's not really about trying to discover and, and solve the issues of society at hand, uh, the, you know, get to the underlying base issues that we need to solve to, 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 to solve a lot of our societal problems that we're dealing with that are out in the forefront, but more of a huddle in their own corner and occasionally look over at the other person and point a finger rather than actually trying to engage in a little bit of discourse that might come to some meaningful conclusion. You know, that's kind of a, a fancy way of describing it, but I've always felt like a libertarian at heart and I wanted to, I wanted to give them a chance. Yeah. I, uh, I, I do think it does come down to, I, I think a lot of the reasons you joined the party were that you just described with some of the same reasons I joined is you're looking for actual solutions in life. Just saying, um, for example, just saying gun control, right? Just saying that gun control works doesn't fix anything. Or just saying, well, we're going to reduce taxes, but not providing any real solutions. Like, for example, Republicans have said, hey, we're going we're gonna to get rid of the IRS and do a flat tax of 30%. Well, that's not really fixing anything because that's what most people's tax rate already is. It's 30 fucking percent. So they're, 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 they're playing this game of cat and mouse of saying, hey, we're going to solve your issues. Well, how? Yeah, 
that we're not going to tell you. We're going to pretend like we do, but we're not going to. Democrats scream about police reform, and then Democrat runs to the absolute worst for police brutality. So it, it's one of those things where you do have to start looking for real, actual, real-world solutions, and I think a lot of libertarians do offer that um, for the most part. With everything, I always say it always depends on who you're speaking with because not everybody provides a really good solution. But, uh, you know, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I mean, I, as someone who um, my big single push item is uh, guns, um, More the more people we can get spreading good information about firearm ownership and the legislation on it, the better. Um, there's no lack of it here, but the more people that we can get out there, the better. So. I've always strongly believed that the Second Amendment is one of the most important cornerstones in terms of our rights that we could possibly ever want to achieve as a, as a civilized society and what we could want to hold on to as a civilized society. You know, I want even people that disagree with me to be armed. I want people that are unlike me to be armed. I want people who hate me to be armed because at the end of the day, it puts us all on a level playing field. Now, there's probably a lot of evil people or, or unprincipled people that may say, well, but my feelings mean more uh, than, than, than your ability to, to protect yourself. But at the end of the day, if we're going to be logical, logically consistent and we really do care about universal liberty and freedom and we want the Second Amendment to, to apply to everyone, even people we may not like, uh, at the end of the day, I feel like it's very important for us to hold that moral high ground and go, you know what, that this is something that we should, as a society, stay away from. We should not allow the government to attempt to regulate morality. We should not allow them to, you know, do anything that would harm our rights or make it harder for us to exercise our Second Amendment rights. And I think it's also important to make the distinction that our Second Amendment rights were put in place specifically to keep the government in check and whereby some people, I mean, obviously you can protect yourself with a firearm. That's all good and fine, of course. But let's not be coy here. At the end of the day, it was clear instructions to the government to stay away from our rights and to give us the teeth to protect ourselves from a tyrannical government. You know, it really is at the heart of things where it, it all boils down to. Now, in regards to the taxes, I wanted to play devil's advocate on that. Uh, yes. Now, I was one of the, the people that, you know, I really agreed with. I think it was it was it was either. Ben Carson, it might have been Ben Carson, Dr. Carson, or it may have been, oh, what was the other gentleman that ran for president? Uh, oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But one, one of the one of those fellows was advocating for like maybe a flat tax. Right. And I think mm -hmm. at the time, the tax might have been something like a 12 or 15 percent flat tax or may, may even been as low as like a 10 percent flat tax. Taxes are one of those things that we generally we, we view with a, with a ton of disdain because no, no one likes the feeling of having some overlord reach in your back pocket and take money out of your, you know, out of your pocket that you worked hard and, to earn, you know. So to the devil's advocate, part of that is whereby, yes, 30 percent is, is a buttload of money. And it, and it is very close to what many people are already paying anyway, which the, the appearances that they're trying to keep up with, of course, what, what it's going to wind up being for them is that they're just actually going to collect all that much more money uh, than, than what they were already getting from the populace because, you know, now it's all sort of 
directly related to essentially what you, you know, under a flat tax program, it would be more directly related to what you spend. So the more you spend, the more money you pay in taxes. So, you know, that everybody says, well, we want these rich people to pay their fair share. That That's what people keep saying. But it was none other than Elon Musk himself that just paid what, $6 billion in taxes. Six billion with a B, boys and girls, billion. So someone goes and buys a yacht and has to pay a 30% tax on that yacht. Well, that, you know, or if you buy a McDonald's cheeseburger for a dollar, well, you're going to pay 30 cents on the dollar or whatever. I'm not saying that's a perfect solution. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying I want the rate to be 30%. I would prefer more of the original flat tax idea was, I think, around 10%. And uh, what, here in Georgia, we have the Elton John of Georgia. His name is Ray Stevens. Some of you guys may have heard of him. Maybe you haven't. The singer, Ray Stevens. Uh, some of y'all may not be old enough to remember Ray Stevens, but he's still around. He actually still plays uh, dates here in Georgia, but he had a song that he uh, he came up with. It was called, If 10% is good enough for Jesus, then why isn't it enough for Uncle Sam? And that struck a nerve with me thinking that, you know, if we're going to defer certain aspects of our society off to someone else to handle, like, I mean, okay, somebody, you know, you don't want to deal with wrecks on the side of the road. You know, always the argument that gets made of, well, we have to fix the roads. We have to do this. We have to do that. Of course, obviously, the private sector uh, can take care of that, right? I mean, you, you obviously just find a contractor and fix whatever you're going to fix or, you know, hire someone for a good or service in whatever way that you wanted to. I suppose one way that we could sort of deal with some of the ramifications of uh, the, the necessity of a tax, per se, would be that, well, if you are one of these Karens that keeps calling the police on everybody because you're a psychopath or whatever, well, then every time you call the police, you'll just be assessed a, a fee for calling them, you know, or something like that. Well, but after all, it's you that wants to take advantage of the service. It's you that keeps getting your, your, your cat stuck up the tree or, or so on and so forth. So I suppose the argument could be made. It's not really an argument, but just the idea could be made, could, could be proposed that, you know, if, if you're not the person who's a flying the ointment and you don't cause any problems, you don't get in trouble. You don't call the police. You don't have to ever call the fire department or the EMT or, you, you know, you don't ever have to bother anybody for anything. Well, then, then maybe your, your, your tax ramifications should be a little, little lower than somebody who is a constant fly in the ointment. And the argument could be made that it, it's usually a bunch of these Democrats anyway who always want to be the nanny. You know, they want they want to call the police on each other and they want to you know, point their finger and accuse people of stuff. And they, you know, they're the first people to call the freaking police, you know, whereby the rest of us just want to be left the heck alone. You know, we're only going to call the police if there's something absolutely terrible afoot. Right. I mean, even out here where I'm at, we don't bother nobody. They don't bother us, but you better believe I ain't calling the police unless it is an absolutely like life and death or like there's no other recourse. But that's the difference between the, 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 the lifestyles, right? The kind of people yeah. that you're dealing with, you know, how quick they are to just, you know, get the police involved or get the authorities involved. Like it's like their nanny, their babysitter, 
They don't have any personal responsibility over their life. They, they want to defer that to someone else. I suppose I didn't mean to get so far off on a tangent, but that's what I thought of. When, when I saw them propose a 30% sign of flat tax, I was thinking, oh boy. <laughs> mm. So I'm more of a uh, Mississippi squirrel revival Ray Stevens guy, um, but that's a song. Um, but I didn't oppose the 30% flat tax. My only grievance is that we're trying to propose it as like people will pay less. They won't. As everybody knows, they will. You won't end up paying less. More people will actually end up paying more. But I do think it's a, a step in the correct direction of getting rid of the IRS. We live in a world where everything can be automated. Literally, almost everything can be automated. Why not taxes? I mean, already you're paying a percentage, a tax percentage at the register when you buy something. Why not just do that flat out? Because the idea, like the 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 insanity of, like us. Uh, so let's put it this way, right? They say you go to the gun store and you're like, "Ooh, I really want that new Barrett," and they're like, "Okay, what's the price?" And you you're like, "What do you mean?" And they're like, "Well, you have to tell us what the price is. If you guess wrong, you can't buy it. Even worse, we'll send somebody with a gun from behind the counter to arrest you for giving us the wrong amount of money." That's exactly how the tax system currently works. And so it's it's all insanity. I mean, I, I do like the idea of a flat tax. That's actually one thing I've proposed to a lot of people is a flat tax and just saying, hey, this is what you pay. Every You can't avoid it, right? You can't avoid paying that percentage at the register. So the Donald Trumps and all of them, uh, they can't avoid a certain percentage of at the register. I just think 30% is too high. A lot of people do. But it is a step in the correct direction. It's easier to push that train down the track than it is to just completely say, um, as, a, as a third party, to say, hey, we should do a flat tax. Let's Republicans do it, and then we can push it on down the track a little bit further. Like, well, maybe we should do 25. Maybe we should do 20. Maybe we should do 15. Maybe we should do 14. Maybe we should do 13. These incremental steps is, what's going to be, what's going, is what it's going to take to get to where we want to be. It's kind of ignorant to sit there and believe that we're going to just abolish taxes overnight or just drop it to a 10% flat tax, as, you, as you've as you mentioned. Like, it, it has to be, you know, incremental. But, um, yeah. I agree. But I like it. I think it's unfair for someone to be penalized for simply wanting to just keep their money in the account and do nothing with it. You know, I think that if you are going to have to pay taxes, it should only be when you put your money into the economy. Period. I mean, if, if I and, and look, here's the thing. We've got all these hundreds of thousands of illegals, you know, pouring over the border. And guess what? They have to buy stuff. Right. They got to have food. They got to have diapers and pampers for the babies. And they have to have all their commodities and things that they need. And, you know, they're, they're going to have to rely on the local economy for those things. If at a minimum. All right. You know, they're here illegally and they're not paying taxes through the normal system. They're not filing tax returns. Well, then the logic is there that, well, if you were if all of those people automatically started paying 30 percent on everything they were buying here, then that is a huge pull. And I guess the argument could be made. And again, not saying that I agree with taxes or agree with the IRS or the way they do this, but it's just what we live under. Right. Is that there are a lot of completely legitimate and legal tax shelters that are out there. And if you if you know how to manipulate, I hate to use the word manipulate, but it's all legal. If you know how to properly 
go through the code and do everything just right. You can pay a very minimal, if no, uh, taxes. And, you know, I'm not doubting, I'm not downing those people for being able to take advantage of the perfectly legal and, and clear, written, clearly written in stone tax code that is before us. But it would kind of simplify a lot of those things. Even if it was 10%, I'd like to see it at like 10%. What are you going to, what are you going to, what are you going to lose? What you, you're not going to miss that. If you buy a, a cheeseburger for $1.50, are you, you're really going to, you know, miss 15 cents? So making it a pinch that most of us won't miss, or at least it'll be a minimum burden. That's my concern is that it ends up being a burden on, on, on folks. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of burdens on society that sometimes we either have to accept and, and, and place a little bit of personal responsibility on ourselves uh, or we're not. You know, if we were to just, you know, completely divulge into complete chaos and just, you know, survival, survival of the fittest, uh, there'd be some people that would be extremely fit and, and, and able to survive. And there, there'd probably be some folks that would be sucking some serious wind. So, so Adam did make a good point. And this is actually one thing I like to bring up too when talking about like a flat tax is that it's easier to actually budget if you have an idea, have a, have a much stronger idea of what you're going to bring in every year. Um, I mean, if you know what your job is going to pay you every year, what your let's say you have a salary, right? Let's say you make $90,000 a year because you work at whatever, right? You know you have nine thousand dollars a year. You know exactly how to budget for your year for nine thousand dollars. If you have no idea what the fuck you're going to make that year, it's a much harder thing to budget. So, and like like we talked about, you know, Donald Trump even admitted on the campaign trail that he said, "I didn't pay any taxes because I'm smart enough to work through tax code." When you have that flat tax, it forces people to a pay that tax. B, it forces the federal government into budgeting. Right now, the big talking point in D.C. is the debt ceiling and raising it. Uh, Republicans are saying, hey, you know, um, we want to, uh, you know, mitigate what we're spending. And Democrats are like, we can do both. We can raise the debt ceiling and not mitigate spending. We can just pretend all of it's monopoly money and just print more of it and just keep going until something bad happens. Because uh, inflation has never happened, right? Um, I mean, and if we if we are just going to print money out of thin air, then what are taxes for? If it's all monopoly money anyway, then then what's the point of collecting taxes at all? It's keeping the poor poor. I mean, that way, you know, we make sure that certain people stay on certain programs. That way, the government has more control over them. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point too. Is like I want people to have control over their own lives. That's my. That's what I want. I want people to have control over their own destiny, control over their own money, control over what guns are going to have, what they put in their body, what they do with their body. You know, those things are not within the purview of the government to regulate or get in the way of. Right. If someone chooses to do something immoral with their body, that's on them and their creator to deal with that. You know, that's not on society. I feel like, you know, we need to get back to a regimen of personal responsibility and individual liberty. Uh, that is what I call for the most. Now, if there are people within your society who are doing incredibly terrible and immoral things, it's totally within your right to call them out on their bullcrap, shun them from society, do whatever you feel like you need to do to correct the behavior. 
but it's their right to do it. I, I can still disagree, but at the end of the day, yeah, I definitely don't want them to have any in any any latitude to tell me how to live in any way. So if I don't want someone telling me how to live, what place is it for me to try to decide and tell everybody what they should or should not do? And, and it's certainly not that I don't want to trust the government to do it. <laughs> no way. I mean, you see how bad they're fouling things up right now. You know, you they're talking about raising the debt ceiling. That's right. They're talking about raising the debt ceiling. They're sending all these billions of dollars to Ukraine. They're sending all these bill you know, left all the billions of dollars of equipment to the Taliban. But yet they're going to sit there and tell me that because I have a stupid brace on my gun that I'm somehow a criminal after telling society for 10 years that it was completely OK. And then they're going to do a reversal just to give themselves some clout and, and create some, you know, some felons overnight. Nah, no one's buying that. They left all those billions of dollars in equipment to the Taliban. Now the Taliban are trying to sell it to the, to the Russian. Russians. <laughs> you can't make this up. It's like We're something out of a dystopian. Sides. It's like something out of a dystopian, like novel, like uh, from the future, like a, like a, a, a zombie apocalypse novel. They even let the arms dealer go and traded him for the freaking basketball lady who hates America. You can't make this up. He's probably the one brokering the deal. So, so anyways, guys, so I know they just let me out of prison. But anyways, I know these guys out in the Middle East, they've got these banging Abrams tanks, right? So, hear me out. We buy these. Our tanks, shitty. Their tanks, banging. Buy them, pennies on the dollar. We use them against the same tanks they're giving to the Ukrainians. And we just fight. I think that the tanks that we left over there, whatever tanks are there, I guarantee them sons of bitches ain't running. I guarantee they don't work. Uh, I I know that a lot of those Black Hawk helicopters that got left over there, I mean, half those things are falling apart. They're probably falling apart when they left them there. You know, the PMs on those things have to... The PMs on those things have to be kept up very meticulously for them to continue to work right. And tanks, especially. So, and the export models of those Abrams tanks that we send out in those situations, they don't have the the cool guy stuff on them like, like ours do here. So, I think the 31 Abrams that they're sending over there, I don't believe that they have the, uh, the, 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 the Ninja package on them, if you know what I mean. So, there's yeah. technology in those tanks that I, I don't. I don't even think anybody needs to talk about it because it just don't give them any damn ideas, and you don't want a fancy version going over there and getting reverse engineered. It'd be the Chinese that could do it, not the Russians. The Russians yeah. make more small arms ammunition and more small arms than probably anybody in the entire world. So in that line, they like artillery. They fight with a lot of artillery and they fight with a lot of small arms and they make a lot of small arms ammunition, a ton, right? So that's one thing that Russians are very good at manufacturing is small arms ammunition. But higher technology things like precision guided weapons and things like that, they don't they don't have all the technology uh, domestically to produce those those types of weapons or they have to uh, procure those from exterior you know sources like 
Iran, you know, they were getting those drones from Iran, China, wherever they, wherever they can get it. Anyway, I digress. But point is, I seriously doubt those 31 Abrams tanks are going to be the ninja models. They're, they're going to be what we call monkey models. Yeah, they're, they're stripped down, pretty basic. I mean, they're still probably, you know, a solid tank. But just mm -hmm. it ain't gonna have all the all the the ninja bells and whistles. Yeah, yeah, you're getting the work truck model instead of the, the lariat. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, yeah, but I mean, still a work still truck a, though. A, yeah, well, yeah, but the point that I'm making is that you know the Russians are buying this technology because their technology sucks. Everyone knows that Russians aren't building the next gen anything, right? They're they're building uh, shit that's like 30 years post dated to what the United States is doing. Problem is, if they start buying these tanks from uh, the Taliban, the technology, even even if the tank's been disabled, which standard SE would be to disable any equipment that we can't bring back with us, if we have to, if we have to like abandon, disable it, and then leave it. But even then, the technology can still be salvaged and uh, you know uh, broken down and figured out what's going on with it. it. It's still the point that I'm making. I guess long term is that. We're still funding both sides of this war indirectly or directly, right? So, like, the Russians are buying tanks that we left to the Taliban. The Taliban's making money off of selling these fucking tanks that are disabled. And then we're just giving tanks to the Ukrainians. Where have I seen this before? It's a lot like circa 1980s Afghanistan or in Vietnam. Or Korea, all these, all these other, all these products, all these other wars that we've done, and we've left stuff behind. Someone has used it to do horrible, awful shit somewhere else, like Somalia. Somalia is a great example. That was 1995, 94, something like that. But still, I mean, we we left shit behind. They used it to do worse shit. Turns out, you're that that thirty percent you're paying annually. And taxes is just going towards some other nation and not in the United States. There are 12 major cities in the U.S. that don't have clean drinking water. That's fucking insane. We're giving billions to Ukraine. But guess what? There's Americans who are starving to death on the street. Uh, actually, American vets who are starving to death on the street, not getting any medical care. And there's people that don't have clean drinking water. Actually, there, like when when I when me and uh, Susie Q lived in Florida, there were regular... A water boil notices because the water treatment system couldn't keep up. Hmm. That's fucking insane. It blew my mind. She was like, Yeah, there's a there's a water bowl. I was like, fuck you mean a water bowl? She's like, Yeah, the water's not safe to drink out of the tub. I'm like, the what now? <laughs> well <laughs> the the US has always been one of the premier arms brokers for a long time. I mean, like, we love selling guns. Like to everybody around the world. And we love, you know, nation building and except for, I know that, I, I, I believe strongly that our founding fathers very much were very much uh, non-interventionalists when it came to the affairs of the world around them. And, you know, I think it was, it was even Washington himself that said, Hey, you know, we should have alliances, you know, we should trade, you know, we should, you know, help each other's economies out, but generally let's stay out of everybody's business. But, to be honest, this isn't the 1700s anymore. I mean, in this modern world, whether we like it or not, we're going to be a lot more connected. Now, I very much am a kind of person. Now, look, in my experiences in the war, you know, I, I saw things that were terrible and I had to do things that were terrible. And I was in situations that were scary. Even, you know, when I was a young man, I was 20 years old. 
And, uh, and that will do things to a person. It'll change your outlook. And when, when you're going through those, those moments in life, you know, you have to just kind of buckle in and deal with the situation at hand as, as it's in front of you. And, you know, you don't really have a heck of a lot of, of, of time to go, well, what, what's going on here? You just sort of are worried about trying to live through it. And I think in the last decade, decade and a half, gosh, it's been almost 20 years ago. In the last 20 years, you start to think, well, you know, now that we've had some time to sort of think about how all this went, and now that this 20-year war on terror is sort of over, right? You know, the Afghanistan withdrawal was a giant debacle. Many of us veterans and, and folks that were involved in it, you know, start to kind of question what went on, question our role in it, question what wow. our role is as a country, question why, question, hey, how can we avoid these things in the future? When we look at World War One, it was meant to be the war to end all wars. You know, they thought that World War One was going to be so terrible and the weapons so powerful and so murderous that people would no longer want to fight anymore because no, nobody had ever seen weapons that destructive. Right. But what happened? Yeah. <laughs> right back in it again, World War II, and then all the conflicts. So this perpetual war that this that our world seems to be finding themselves in is a very self-destructive and soul-destroying concept. War is at, at its core hell. There's just mm -hmm. no no if ands or buts about it. And I think in, in as I've gotten a bit older, I, I tend to to be more non-interventionist when it comes to, to wars. However, uh, I think there is an Achilles heel where we, we do have to consider geopolitical threats from abroad and, and, and try to maybe head things off, you know, a bit. We, we have to just kind of keep our ear to the ground. I, I don't think we should be completely isolationist. I believe in having a good, you know, large, capable frontier army a force of people is very well equipped to take care of us here locally and to protect our homeland. I do believe in that. I believe we should spend the money to do that. I believe we should spend the money to make sure we have the best Navy and the best Air Force and the best submarine fleet and everything like that. I mean, I still want to be the big dog on the block, but sometimes you don't want to just stick that dog on anyone. It has to be with a purpose. You don't just walk into the playground and hit the biggest kids you can just to assert yourself. Some people might view that as a, a proper thing to do. And I think that maybe we should exercise a little bit of restraint and, and, and only intervene when it's absolutely necessary to our survival. You know? Well, one thing I've, I'm torn I've on noticed, this yeah. I'm not completely yeah. an, an, an isolationist or a non-provincialist, but I think there are times that we have to, there are times when we have to step forward and assert ourselves on the global world and in the, in the global stage. Now, one is the Ukraine have... one of those situations? No, no. Right. There seems so, to be a lot of contention. Thing... On the on the subject. So myself, I'm prior army. My girlfriend Susie Q, she's prior navy, and I've had a lot of discussions with a lot of prior service vets. Um, 
the the thing that's kind of starting to become a trend is a lot of people are just saying, look, we're tired of this shit. We, we've spent 20 years in the Middle East for what? We gave the Taliban way better gear than what they had before. We left guns, ammo, whatever. We, we left all kinds of shit behind. Um, you know, my grandfather, who is turning 80 this year, uh, I was I was talking to him the other day. He was a he's a Vietnam vet who is struggling from Parkinson's due to him being in Vietnam from the Agent Orange. He looked at me and told me, he said, "Why were we there? Because I don't see any benefit of having been there. Um, we 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 sent these guys over there. It didn't benefit the, the American populace. It didn't make America, you know." um better on like at all we we were fighting communism but communism didn't go away on it like because of that war communism went away because of the shitty policy china tried communism and guess what they got rid of it because it didn't fucking work it, the soviets the the ussr collapsed because communism sucks i mean bad ideas don't last like yeah it sounds great on paper blah 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 we'll play kumbaya we'll shake each other's uh, he, she, dicks, but um, <laughs> at the end of the fucking day, it didn't benefit anybody. These wars that we keep fighting, and I'll, I will hear the argument that World War II was a war that needed to be fought. Everything post that, I don't think the argument's there. Even even 9-11, Bin Laden, we trained him. The CIA trained Bin Laden. He did what he did because of our interventionism in the 80s in Afghanistan. The more the U.S. gets involved on the world stage, the worse it's gotten. And a lot of vets have started to come around to see it. Now, you hear these guys like the, like these guys are like, oh, we should invade fucking China now. Like, those are the guys that were probably desk flyers. They sat behind a desk, pushed papers. They're like, they they didn't get enough action while they were in. So they, they get excited about the idea of invading fucking China with a billion fucking people. But like 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 you said, a lot of vets are, are like, a lot of vets are like are saying what you said, which is, are we doing the right thing? Most likely no, because the government has no interest in doing the right thing. When when you have a government that's run by pedophiles and criminals, guess what? Their moral compass is a little fucked, so fucked so much that the needle is missing. So I mean, at the end of the day, the American populace has to start pushing back again and saying, "Look, we're not going to tolerate this. Why are we getting involved in Ukraine? Guess what? NATO exists. The United States government does not need to directly involve itself with the Ukraine-Russia involvement. Guess what? NATO can take care of that. That's what. That's the entire purpose of NATO. NATO and the UN, their sole existence is to. Well, actually, the UN, their sole existence is to take care of the shit." They're not going to do it. Guess what? NATO's still there. NATO can handle it. The United States doesn't have to pour billions and billions and billions of dollars into this. Na- just they give, keep giving what we give to NATO. Let them handle it. But no, because there is so much bloodthirst in the federal government. They want to be involved. I mean, look at look at the ATF. Like every little incident that happens, the first thing they want to do is kick down doors. Um, I'm sure you you know quite a bit about it. But when the binary triggers started getting onto the ATF's radar, they were kicking in doors of factories. They were like n- taking people out in handcuffs for selling a trigger that didn't even violate the rules. Yeah. Well, 
for one, there's no way that we would ever militarily get involved with China in a war anytime soon because our stockpiles of precision weapons and, and mass destructive weapons have, have definitely depleted a good bit with everything that's gone on and all this money that we're sending over to the Ukrainians. I mean, I do think that it is fiscally irresponsible to just send money to nations that hate us. I'm not saying Ukraine hates us, but we do send a lot of money to a lot of places that absolutely do. And there are a lot of slush funds and black projects and unaccounted money and all of this little pork and, and little sweetheart deals. And that's what really gets me about it. It's just the blatant, you know, disrespect for righteousness. If, if you know, there are times in, in our country's existence, even in recent memory, even when, you know, in my lifetime, where we were really sure about things. When we, you know, we were really unified on what we thought right and wrong was, good and evil. Uh, we had a, a, a destiny that we felt we could, we could attack together and have a common goal and work together towards a common goal. You could turn on the radio and hear a patriotic song and think, I love my country, you know? There was a time when, when we really were sure about things. And when I look at these people, I see a group of people who are self-serving. They care about their own interests, their own personal endeavors, and not about the endeavors of the future of our nation. What we're going to accomplish? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do in 10 years? Where are we going to be in 20 years? Uh, are we still going to be a leader on the world stage? Are we going to be economically a leader on the world stage? Are we going to be a military leader with the best equipment? Uh, the most well-trained military who's very capable to deal with any situation we see before us. And I guess it's just a little of the old school sentiment in me that, I mean, not to say that I was much of a McCarthy sort of guy, but w when we look at, you know, may maybe more Patton, <laughs> where sometimes you, you just need to flex the arm of total destruction against your enemies. But, there are times that we're really sure about things like World War II. We were really sure about World War II. We were really sure that that was a, a thing that that was worth our blood. You know, I lost friends in that conflict in Iraq, Afghanistan. You know, many of us lost friends, relatives, had to see them die. And that's a hard thing to cope with. It's a hard thing to deal with when you see the blatant, you know, waste the grifting, the, the pork, the slush, you know, all these terms we throw around, you know, it's almost jokingly, but it, it's not a joke when, you know, the Shaneys, they lied about all that crap to fluff up Congress and get them to want to do something about it. All while having stock and all of the arms companies and all the military contractors and Kellogg Brown and Root and Halliburton and, you know, you name it. They had stock in all the companies. They were making the deals. They were cutting the checks. And they made a ton of money, just like the profiteers are making money on this proxy war in the Ukraine. Now, is that to say that there's not a far-reaching implication that the war in Ukraine will have for American interests in the future? I think that answer is yes. But the question is, you know, it's the dishonesty. It's the fact that these people are making money hand over fist and they're running this almost like it's a business with a blank checkbook where they can just they don't care. Like you like you said earlier, they're printing money left and right. They don't care that they devalue your your money 
with every dollar they print. They don't care. If, if, a, if a millionaire put $100 in the safe in 1910 to give to his grandson when he turned 20 years old or something, or 21 years old, and then, I don't know, 100 years later, his great-great-grandson discovered the safe, opened it up. And that $100 from 1910, it ain't $100 oh, anymore. Shit. Yeah. So that is where the real tax lies, is in inflation. Inflation mm -hmm. is a hidden tax. So if inflation is the tax, and if the crux is print the money, we'll worry about it later, then what, what, what are taxes? What, why have taxes? Again, I go back to that. But maybe that's the way they're kicking the can down the road in relation to the Ukraine. I'm not saying that I agree with the Ukraine war or that, you know, that I necessarily have a dog in either fight. I think it's a, a reprehensible thing for Russia to attack their neighbor. And, and, you know, war is terrible. We should we should avoid wars and everything like that. But if you have a geopolitical adversary that, you know what I mean, you can take out for really, when you look at the money on the world stage, what we spend is, is pennies on the dollar if well, what we would have spent to actually go and, and fight a war and to take U.S. service members over there. So it, as much as you hate them, the, the game is kind of laid out there, you know, in a way that, you know, it makes you hate it a little less, but you still hate it. And I guess that's kind of where I'm at. It's like on the non-interventionism thing. You know, I don't like the idea of getting involved in, in the world's affairs. But if you can knock out a geopolitical adversary for pennies on the dollar, would you do it? And I guess that's the question we have to ask ourselves. And we may not know the answer to that for another 10 or 15 years or 20 years. Or, or, or we could get nuked next week. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, so... Unfortunately, what? it's not in our hands directly. It's it's in the hands of madmen, you know, at this point. So if Russia uh, – so I'm going to push back on this a little bit, and we'll, we'll see how this goes. But uh, if Russia is struggling to invade Ukraine, who is a, uh, a neighbor, like they, they share a border with Russia, they, they can't keep supply lines up. They can't – they have struggled to take Ukraine as a whole – after uh, almost a year now, um, were they really a geopolitical uh, adversary of ours? I mean, the United States, if we if we went all out, Canada would be a part of the U.S. next week. I mean, it, I say a week because it would take like six days to do the, the paperwork, but one day to take Canada. I, I don't know that that Russia is really a geopolitical adversary of the United States anymore. For this, like they, they talk a lot of shit. Putin says a lot of dumb shit. But Joe Biden falls upstairs. So, I mean, I don't know that we're they're on the same level as us. Also, the simple fact, and you'll know this, the, the same way a lot of people who live out in rural America live, uh, good fucking luck to anyone who is crazy enough to try and invade. Let me tell you something. There's boys out in the hills that are waiting for the day. They are stroking it to see thinking about the day that Russia's like, ooh, we want that. Or Chad's like, ooh, we oh we want that. Uh, but um, I mean, like it I don't know that that anyone like so the American spirit of itself, there is no adversary to it. There is no one that can meet this this history of 
just insane fucking people who from the origin were like, we're going to go to this new land that no one's ever been to. We're going to push out west and see as far as we can go. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And we kept doing these things. We kept doing these things. The American spirit is still alive and well. We, we innovate daily. We have what all four all four companies that are doing privatized spaceflight are based in the U.S. Um, all all major uh, technology companies are based in the U.S. I mean, the Amer- America is essentially the world power, not due to the government or not due to the military. It is due solely to the American spirit and just the hatred Americans have for other Americans. Like, we hate each other so much, we invent more than our neighbor. Um, like, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, fighting it out for who's going to get to Mars first. Um, you look at Microsoft and Apple, their battle in the 70s and the 80s. You look at all the companies, um, uh, Canik and Glocker duking it out right now. Well, Canik's not American-based. I can't call them that, but... I mean, you look at you look at all these companies that have fought it out over this over the decades, and have made America what it is. None of that, none of that is due to the government. Like, yeah, there's government contracts that get passed out here and there, but American ingenuity has always been rooted in fuck every other American. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to be the best your fucking is, and that's it. I don't think I don't think our military power has anything to do with it. As as we talked about. There's so many fucking hillbillies that are excited about an invasion that no one's willing to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty than any other system in the history of mankind. Capitalism provides competition. And the only way that ideas get better is for people's ideas to compete with each other. And capitalism is a perfect perfect place for that to foster that d- debate, that debate of ideas, the, the, the debate of ingenuity. And uh, I think that that's one of the most American traits. The, the two most American traits, in my opinion, are our tenacity in warfare and our, our refusal to quit in a fight. And two, um, our ability to come up with one heck of an idea and to make money on that idea to pull ourselves out of the wicked jaws of poverty and make something of ourselves and use our minds and use our intellect and use our abilities to invent and create things. The infrastructure that's in place, the um, technology that's in place, the education system that's in place. I mean, America by far is absolutely an awesome place. I love this country more than anything. And I know that we're not perfect and things have not been perfect, but I do love this country. And I think it is still the most fantastic place we could ever want to live. And, uh, and capitalism is absolutely the concept that brings more people out of poverty. If they're willing to work, if they're willing to put in the time and they're willing to take a risk and they're willing to trust their intellect and their instincts and to put themselves out there, you know, there have been more people pulled out of poverty in the system of capitalism than any other system by far. And we are who we are today because of capitalism. All you have to do is look at what America is now compared to what the Soviet Union was versus what Russia is now, even China. 
You know, China's struggling to feed their own people. All the the the, the oceans around China are devoid of life. They, they've plucked every living creature out of the ocean to try to feed everybody. Yep. So, you know, Napoleon Bonaparte, he used to say that an army marches on its stomach. And that's really more of a of a play on logistics, right? An army yeah. can only march as far as it's got food, water, clothing, fuel. And the modern army needs fuel, you know, all those things, medical, you know, equipment, whatever. China's problem is that they are so big that they're so big of a machine that a lot yeah, of logistics. They, might, they, they might have a lot of bodies and they might be able to put a lot of guns in a lot of hands. But in the modern wars deal in logistics and intelligence. And if they're not masters of logistics, if they're not masters of supply lines and, and dealing with every little, you know, every counting every bean and counting every bullet, they might as well not ever leave their borders. And it very well may be the reason they've never left their borders for anyone other than, well, right now, I would probably look at the Tibetan Plateau closer in the next couple of weeks to a month or two, maybe a year. I think they're going to go after India. Now that they can do, just geographically, you know, right there. I, see I think Taiwan we're. I think we're going to. I think we're going to see. We're going to see China going after India within the next few years. Do you think they're do you definitely going to take Taiwan or India first? India. Really? Yeah. Because yeah, I, I, the, the argument I've heard for Taiwan is because Taiwan makes all the sophisticated uh, micro processors or chips or whatever you want to call them but taiwan is making something close to like 85 percent of all the world's high sophistication uh chips which is everything we need from from jets to space shuttles to cell phones to everything uh so the i think they're worried about poking they're worried about poking the bear they're scared to death of us absolutely Mm. makes sense I mean, Americans, we we've we coined the phrase "fuck it, let's find out," but uh, you know, I believe first and foremost, I really I do believe in peace. I want I want the world to be peaceful. I want people to be happy. I care about China. I care about the people that live in China. They're human beings. They have every right to live and be happy, just like the rest of us. Not their fault they were born the way they were or where they were. I do believe that people are people. I've been around the world. I've been to quite a few places. I've met quite a few people around the world. And I find that no matter where I go, people are people. And we have to remember that these wars, these, these political strifes, these geopolitical strifes, these economical strifes, the, the problems that we come up with as countries affect people. And every government or every nation at, at its core is still the individual. Now, is that to say that the average individual in China or Russia hates us and wants to murder us in our sleep? I don't think that answer is yes. Just like if you ask an average person here, if they hate China and hate Chinese people, of course they don't. What's, what's the person in China done to you? They haven't hurt you. If anything, they probably have a standard of life that would probably make you cry if you, thought, if you saw how bad some of them probably you know, live. And the average Russian. You know, these conscripts are being sent to Ukraine. They don't want to go there. They're, they're, a lot of the uh, connected class in Russia, like your, you know, 
let's just say students and educated people or, you know, higher wage earning people, they're like, yeah, we're getting the heck out of here. They see what's on, they see what's on the horizon. They, they don't want nothing to do. They don't want to attack Ukraine. They don't want nothing to do with this war. So how much of the public in Russia actually supports the conflict? I think that Putin is really dealing with probably a lot of internal strife that maybe we're not being, we're not going to end up seeing very much of, but I think he's just as worried about threats from within as he is, you know, looking at how badly the situation in Ukraine is going. They're sending soldiers into the meat grinder in Bakhmut and it hasn't been good. Now look, Ukrainians have taken some losses too, yep. but the Ukrainians are getting some good kills and the Russians are throwing bodies at the situation. And it's terrible. Every single one of those people has a, Mother, a father, brother, sister, best friend, that's not going to have a friend. That's it. Like, their world is everything they knew up until the day they set foot in Backman. And now it's it's gone. That's it. And that's frightening. That should scare us. Like, we, we, should, we should try and prevent wars from happening because of the, the, the people or the victims. It's not the government. <laughs> is Putin out there? No, he's not. Is Zelensky out on the front line? Nope. Nope. If we went to war, do you think the president's going to be on the front line? No. you think Congress can be on the front line? No way. So oh, at the end of the day, it's just the people they send into the slaughter against each other. It's never the people in charge. It's never the governments. It, it's always the poor. It's never the rich. It's all. It's always the poor. If you ever look, uh, especially in the U.S., recruiting stations are always in low-income neighborhoods. They're not building uh, an army recruiting station in Beverly Hills. Um, so, and one thing that I think that I've learned here as of late with personal experience is that I have a cousin who actually married a Russian national. I've had a lot of great conversations with them uh, against my family's wishes. A lot of them were political, but as it turns out, Russians identify closer to Americans than any other nation. Like most Russians identify with us so closely, like they, they don't want this shit. They the certainly love way- our culture. Oh, yeah. Well, they, 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 they love the idea of um, of what America is or what we promulgated to be outside of the U.S. But uh, most Russians don't want the war. Like Adam was saying, uh, I was going to bring this up. There was a lot of protests in Russia early 2022 that Putin hated. And they were like anti-war protests. And they cracked down on it. They sent the, the special police, or not the special police, but the police out there to start arresting people. They hosed them all kinds of crazy shit they wouldn't have done that if they're like oh yeah we're totally cool with putin doing whatever the fuck they want to do just i don't i don't i don't know this idea that you know russians are different than you like like you were saying man all humans just want to be left alone all humans are very considerate of other human life this and one thing i've talked to a lot of people about it's like, if murder wasn't illegal, would you still kill someone? Anyone who says, yeah, I'd just kill whoever the fuck I want to. Either A, needs to be locked the fuck up, or B, is full of shit and they're just trying to just sound badass. You don't kill someone because you just feel like it. That That is against our moral fiber. That's against, like, mental building of humans. Most humans aren't built in a way to just kill people. That's why you don't see many serial killers. It does take a certain 
kind of evil to just promulgate war after war after war to just say we should keep pushing to kill. I'm not saying Congress is evil. I am saying Congress has a profit motive. The same, it's the same thing, right? Like they're they're pushing for war in Ukraine because they keep getting these kickbacks from these military contractors who are now who are panicking after we ended Afghanistan. They're like, oh fuck, who are we going to sell the guns to now? Oh, look, things are getting a little dicey in the Ukraine-Russia area. Maybe we should help this along so we can sell shit. Maybe. Um, but you know, think about how much money it costs to get all that stuff back here. Yep. It makes more sense to leave it there. Especially if like, well, we'll let you guys kill each other with it for a while and eh, we may call in a favor and we'll all make some money. Who knows? I wouldn't put anything past them at this point. Yeah. Be honest. If Congress if, if Congress really cared about, you know, being moral, they would have banned con- uh, uh, Congress or uh, congressional members from being able to participate in the stock market. When you have the ability to pass legislation that changes the stock market, you shouldn't be allowed to participate. We just seen a referee who got arrested uh, during a playoff game. Because their family member had a hundred, so it was like a hundred thousand dollars on a on the game, and they they made bad calls on purpose to to alter the game. That guy gets arrested. Congress is allowed to keep doing what they do. Um, they keep promulgating this idea of war because they keep getting these kickbacks from these companies. It's terrible, and yeah. it's very immoral. Yeah. And the the you know the way I was raised, and you know. The principles that my grandparents instilled in me, you know, that you should always be honest in your business dealings as best to your ability. And you should always try to come to a mutually beneficial situation with everyone that you deal with. And you should treat every person like you want to be treated. And I'm not seeing that level of honesty out of these people. I'm just seeing a a group of people who they don't care. And, you know, it it does make you angry. And then in, in, in other ways, it hurts. Because, you know, we're, we're, we're taught as a Western society that, you know, thou shall not do this and that. And, you know, there's all these moral codes that we we swear to live by. And when, when they just spit in the face of those ideals, it, it just, it's just not a good, it's a terrible feeling. You feel betrayed. It's betrayal. It makes you feel betrayed. I mean, we, we, we talk about America like it's this magnificent palace on the hill, but then you start looking closer at the hill and it's built on a pile of shit. Right. And that's, that's the sad thing. It's when the, the closer you get, the more you look into it, the worse it gets. You look at what the U.S. did post-World War II when they gave SS officers and scientists pardons for the simple fact that they wanted to beat the Russians. These were horrific people that did the most egregious things in the world that killed 6 million Jews, but yet they gave them pardons because they wanted to beat the Russians. Or you look at the amount of American lives and kids that they're willing to sacrifice to be, uh, you know, number one in the world. We can be number one in the world without war. The U.S. is so magnificent. Like, the, the, well, not even the country. I'm talking like the population within these borders that we created is so magnificent. We're so amazing at a lot of the things we do. We don't need those things. But the, as long as the government's there, as long as that government 
is pushing the way that it is, it's hindering us as a, as a society. I mean, we have the most scientific advances towards fighting cancer anywhere in the world. And we don't have socialized medicine. We have the most advanced firearms in the world, not solely because of government contracts, but because people do recreational shooting. We go hunting. We have, uh, we have the most advanced electric vehicles on the planet. Why? Because there was a need for it. People were seeing an opportunity to sell these vehicles. It's not government contract. And I just, I don't, I don't understand this, this, I don't know, but. Well, it's like the government gets in the way of more than they solve. They do. They, they've gotten they do. so big that they're in spite of themselves, right? I mean, and you look at, <laughs> you know, all these alphabet agencies. Oh, you've got the CIA and the FBI and you got the CDC and, and just name your agency. It's there, right? A whole laundry list of it. If our founding fathers were to come up out of their graves right now, they would slap us all in the face as hard as they could and call us cowards. Because we've allowed yeah. this, this we've allowed the animals to run the zoo. You know, we, we don't have a representative government in the sense that the founding fathers saw it. We don't have true representation. You know, you let them get, a, if you let them do away with that electoral college, that's it. Or if we get a bunch of, you know, crazy leftist Supreme Court justices and they fill the Supreme Court full of, if they pack the Supreme Court, or if they nuke the filibuster, or if they, you know, nuke the electoral college, forget it. Forget it. Pack your bags. Even worse. Turn off the we, lights, grab your gun, because it's getting bad. That well, I was about to say, even worse, we just give up our firearms like we did in the 80s. They just let the government say you don't need machine guns, as long as it's made after 1986. But... Like it's these, it's these, these little inches on these little inch uh, increments of encroachment on freedom that we keep giving up for some stupid fucking reason that's making it worse on us. Like as we, I think as we kind of touched on a little bit in the beginning of the episode was once the second amendment's gone, guess what? There ain't shit else you can do. It don't matter how much you try to use the first amendment. It's gone. Doesn't matter how much you try to use the fifth amendment. It's gone. The 10th amendment. See, ya. that's our, it's almost pretty much gone now anyways. So this this idea that we're free because of whatever reason outside of the Second Amendment, outside of the First Amendment. It, the first, the, the Bill of Rights was written in a certain order for a reason. We want to try and talk it out first. Second Amendment is to protect the first. But Americans, for whatever reason, keep giving it up. We keep pushing ourselves down the line we keep carrying the ball towards our own end zone and giving up everything that we can and making sure that these idiots continue their reign of terror against american population and that's what it is like you you refuse pay taxes they send somebody to you they do they send an armed agent typically to your house it's just we have to start pushing back and that's what it takes the founding fathers understood that you have to push back the uh, if you've never looked, um, the Battle of Athens, Tennessee, in the 1950s, there was a corrupt sheriff who was basically trying to steal an election. The population had just come back from World War II. 
they fought back. They said, no, we ain't putting up with this shit. It takes these little incidences. Unfortunately, a lot of them have been violent. But we have to start pushing back. If we don't push back now, guess what? They're just going to keep plowing down the field until they get a touchdown, and it's over. It's over then. Incrementalism will never bring back what incrementalism took away. That is, there's just no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And as much as it pains us to think of that concept, you know, they have definitely engaged in a slow chipping away of the block. And you could take this beautiful, perfect block. I don't, I don't have a cube here, but if we had you know, a marble block, beautiful marble block, perfectly polished, sharp edges, perfect corners, a beautiful block. We took a hammer and we smashed it into a bazillion pieces. And then we put it back together as perfect as we could. You know, I don't care how good you were at putting things back together. You would never get rid of the little voids and cracks or there'd be the little dust that got made when you broke it, that it would never be perfect again. There'll always be little voids, little cracks, little imperfections. Maybe the corner will be missing. You know, it'll never be but a facsimile of what it was before. So even if we say spit in the face of incrementalism, spit in the face of progressive politics, and we say, fine, hurrah, we take it back and we put it back together. It's still going to be a shadow of what it was. And that that's the tragedy of it. The great American tragedy is that it will only be a shadow of, of the greatness that we used to have if we continue to allow these people to operate with complete impunity and in, in, in complete, you know, uh, I guess what's the word that I'm looking for? I'm at a loss for words, uh, a re repugnant, you know, to the law, the Constitution, you know, not not operating in concert with, but in spite of that document, using that document for fire tender is what these folks are doing. Well, Eric, I, dude, it's been a fucking amazing conversation. We've gone a little bit over. I typically do about an hour because um, I'm a bitch like that. Most people do like two or three. I'm just a bitch. I do an hour. But uh, yeah, so um, it's been a dude. This has been one of the best conversations ever. Um, where can people find you? How can they support you? Uh, you know, do the shameless plug thing. Iraq Veteran eighty eight eighty eight on YouTube and also here on Twitter. Uh, well, I'm on YouTube now on this live stream, but uh, I've got 2.6 million followers on uh, on YouTube, and I've, I've been a YouTuber for about 15 years. I enjoy it. I love it. We've got a lot of content over there. Check us out. Go subscribe. Click that notification bell. Follow on Twitter if you dare. Now, look, you know, some of my Twitter posts can be a little, a little spicy, I do admit, but, you know, what do they say? Variety is the spice of life, but maybe the spice of life is the spice itself, so... Take like what we can get. <laughs> well, if you don't already follow him on YouTube, you should. It, a lot of his content is fucking amazing. I haven't watched all of it, so I can't say all of it is. Uh, but a lot of it's fucking magnificent. Um, so go follow him on YouTube. Go follow him on Twitter. Uh, I follow him on Twitter. It's it's amazing. I'll, I'll pop in there and just I'll drop shitty little comments that get ignored and uh, just keep going. But uh, it's been amazing, dude. I dude, I appreciate you coming on. It's been uh, it's been awesome, and I I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, have a good one. You too, bud. Good night. Holy shit! So.
uh, check that off your bucket list. Uh, we had him on. <laughs> uh, you know how long I've been trying to like figure out how to get a, a really big name gun tuber on here. Yeah, it's been a long time. Like, dude, fucking Eric, that was awesome. That was a that was a really great episode. Don't even listen to that one tomorrow. Um, holy shit, that was a lot of back and forth. That was a really good conversation. I'm excited. That was yeah, awesome. A lot of good quotes from it. That's a lot of good quotes. Um, especially when he said that he loves the ATF and he hopes they get more funding next year. <laughs> uh, that's a direct quote. You can go. <laughs> I can see him below the screen. Uh, but yeah, dude, that was awesome. Um, go follow Eric. Follow us if you're not following us yet. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the little bell thing, the freedom bell. That's how you know that we're free to pump all kinds of horrible content except for this episode domestic into terrorism content. domestic terrorism content because that's what we all are now <laughs> according to barack obama's like cia head or whatever i'm on Liberty. like four lists. yeah we're on the we're on the watch list so go to your local cia office and get your free watch ladies and gentlemen boys and girls and uh tech helicopters and potato farmers have a good night and uh Love you, bye. But yeah, as as always, I want to just leave you with a little bit of advice. Um, bully your local politician on Twitter, as you should always do. Bully them into repelling the NFA. Goodbye. Okay,